Hi, welcome to the How to Grad School podcast. My name is Sarah Davis, and I use she, her pronouns, and I'm coming to you today from the traditional territory of the Lekwungen-speaking peoples, which includes the Esquimalt and Songhees Nations, also known as Victoria, BC, Canada. Welcome to the podcast. Um, I am Rebecca Edwards, and I also use she, her pronouns. Um, and again, I'm coming to you from Victoria, the unceded territory of the Lekwungen peoples and the Esquimalt and Songhees nations. Today on the podcast, we're going to be talking about a few things related to stress and grad school. And we'll start out with a just a brief uh, review of some research that may be helpful when we're talking about stress. So one of the things that I found, which was written by Baylock in 2011, who is a professor at the University of Chicago, is talking about working memory and academic stress. And so working memory, if you may, you may or may not know, Working memory helps you control, regulate, and manage information directly relevant to what you are working on. And so if you're feeling stressed or worried about your performance, then your working memory is reduced. So I know for me, situations where I definitely wouldn't notice that at all is when I'm playing hockey. I'm usually not stressed about that at all. It's a rec league. Everyone is there to have fun. What about you, Becca? What are some times where it's like there's no stress going on with what you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. I think when um, you have no stress going on, you're obviously able to enter like a bit of a state of flow. And I I don't have research to back this up, but I would expect when you're kind of in that state of flow, your working memory is kind of it's it's working well. It's there's nothing hindering it. Um And an example of kind of when I might be in a state of flow would be, um, gosh, oh, yeah, when I'm doing yoga. Um. (laughs) Yeah, and well, and I agree with what you said about flow, and we'll talk about, we can always talk about flow in a future episode where flow is really about when you have a match between the challenge and skill level. And I know for me during grad school, it was very important to be doing activities where there was a good match because often in grad school, there is not. Yeah, you're doing match. things that are, um, that are quite challenging, things that you're reaching for, you're, you're not quite there yet. Yep, exactly. So going back to working memory, so the more capacity you have for your working memory, the better you will perform on academic tasks that use problem solving and reasoning. So hello, every grad school task. Mm -hmm. So one way to increase your working memory if you're feeling stressed is to write about your worries or anything you're thinking about or anything that's really on your mind for about five to 10 minutes before you start the task. And free writing before or te- before a test or a task is associated with higher performance because it breaks that cycle of rumination. And so other ways you can practice this are revisiting your self-worth by listing your accomplishments through regularly updating your CV or resume and by spending time with your friends and family. And so, yeah, so I think it's important for us to know that our memory is also being affected when we are stressed. 
So it seems to me from what you're saying that um, if you're feeling anxious you're, or stressed, you're, you're holding a lot of things in your mind. Um, and you can only concentrate on so many things at one point in time. So if you take a moment to do something like free writing before you go into a, a challenge episode, you're able to take those things that are in your mind and kind of put them into an external source so that you don't necessarily need to think about them during the activity that you that you're trying to do. It is that kind of what you're explaining? Yeah, I think it's that. And so that, you know, you have a finite amount of space or, you know, it could be related to cognitive load. And so Mm -hmm. if it's being taken up with emotions, which is obviously warranted in grad school to have a lot of emotions about what you're doing, then you may have less room to use those other cognitive and metacognitive processes that are very important for any task you're doing in grad school. So it's kind of like cleaning out your mind, doing a little bit of spring cleaning so that you have a fresh place that you can um, can can work, a mental room that is clean. Yeah, definitely. I love it. Yeah. You want to do some spring cleaning before you uh, before you get started. And you might not need to use it every time. Sometimes I think you sit down to do things and it's totally fine. But if you're if you're knowing that if you're feeling that you're more stressed or you're having trouble getting started or you're procrastinating or you're not feeling motivated, I think that the free writing can be a really good strategy to try. That's great. And I, you might have mentioned this, but do you, do you have a recommendation for our listeners about, say, how long you might want to save for free writing? And um, is it better to do it on paper, on your computer, or is there any evidence about that? Yeah, I haven't found specific things about that, but I would say it probably depends on your personal preference or what kind of works for you. So I know for me, I used to, when I would be sitting down and working on my dissertation, I would have a separate document and I would start for five to 10 minutes just typing in a Word document because I found that I was already at a computer, I was already, I was already sitting there, but I think doing it on, in a journal or doing even a speech to text, putting it somewhere on your phone, I think something to something to get it out, whatever modality that takes. Okay, so kind of just looking for the, the ways that work for you, taking the strategy and adapting it to your own personal habits. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and just trial and error and see what works. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. So on the the note of free writing and stress, um, we have a listener question today um, from someone who is dealing with some stress and has a question. All right. So the question is, um, I'm in the third year of my master's program. I've been working on my thesis for the past year, and I'm having trouble getting my supervisor to read my work. I'm starting to feel burnt out and not motivated. This actually started last year. So I had applied for jobs and started working full time six months ago. This is a common problem with other grad students of my supervisor, and all of them have finished late as well. I don't know if I have it in me to finish, and I don't feel like I have any options for help. What should I do? Should I just keep going and just try to track my emails? Um, should I work on a formal complaint? Part of the problem is that there's very little written down to prove that anything has been going on, and I'm worried that everything will be blamed on me, and I don't have the energy to deal with that right now. Any help you could give would be really worthwhile. Thank you. All right, so um, it sounds like this uh, student um, has has a problem that they're trying to solve. Um, what would you say to them, Sarah? 
Well, the first thing I'd say is that this student sounds like they are feeling really isolated and alone and that they don't feel like they have any options. And whether or not they've even used this language with themselves or not, but it sounds like they're kind of in that all or nothing thinking where it's either they're going to do it or they're going to quit. And it sounds like they're kind of leaning toward quitting or stopping doing it because this is such a big problem. Right. So um, that all, that piece about all or nothing thinking is really interesting and it might be helpful for us to unpack it. Because I think sometimes when you are super stressed, um, you do, or if you're just having a hard time, I guess like anyone who's having a hard time is probably pretty stressed, but you do kind of fall into this trap of, um, this or that, like it's going to be like this or it's going to be like that. And I think that um, it's important for for anyone to realize that there is a continuum and there's more options than just yes or no. And I'm wondering if um, you have anything that you might want to say about that. Yeah, I think that's a really good way of doing it is that there's always more of a continuum than you think there is. But uh, I know for me as a grad student, and maybe even for you as well, I definitely know that sometimes I would fall into this trap of thinking that there were only two options and I didn't really like any of them. Like none of them, neither of them were a good option. Mm -hmm. And so I think for me, what was a real game changer when I was starting to have issues towards the end of my PhD was really trying to talk about it as much as po as possible with the people around me. Yeah. Yeah. Cause sometimes if you talk to a, a trusted friend and I hope that um, our listeners listening to us can view us as being trusted, trusted friends, um, you realize that there are other options. And um, not that I want to tell this listener what to do at all, um, but I think it might be helpful to provide a couple of different options that this listener could consider. So one option um, that I kind of that jumps to mind when I read this question is, um, could you just press pause um, you don't necessarily have to finish right now and you don't necessarily need to um, quit right now. You could say, I can't make this decision right now and you could could pause. And I, Sarah, you mentioned that you took a, a bit of a pause in your PhD. So I'm wondering if you might have any thoughts that you would want to add to that. Yeah, so I took a leave of absence for four months right before I finished. So in the in the January to April semester of 2020, I had kind of previously thought to myself, if I'm not done by the end of this semester, then I want to take a leave of absence for the May through August semester. And obviously there was the start of the COVID-19 pandemic and, and other things going on, but um, I think it was a really hard decision for me to make to take that leave of absence. But I like the way you said that, that it really was a time for me to just press pause on everything. And I that was the only decision I had to make. I didn't have to make any decisions about anything else because I just decided to give myself time. Yeah. And that was... Yeah, like I said, one of the hardest decisions to make. And now as I look back, it was such a game changer for me and really helped me then finish in that September to December semester of 2020. Mm -hmm. And I think it just helped me build up my resilience, 
I worked on starting my own business, starting to do other things, reconnecting with friends and family, spending a lot of time outdoors, and just basically not thinking about my dissertation or my PhD. And I think that there's a stigma around taking a leave of absence when you're in graduate school. And the people that I have talked to who also took breaks, whether they were formal or not, will usually always say that it was the best decision that they ever made. So now I'm going to jump in and say I also took a leave of absence. So I think um, something that I hope our listener would realize is that it's actually more common than you realize um, to, to take a bit of a break when you're working on such a, um, a big project um, that is all consuming and all encompassing. Sometimes you do have to take a break so that you can find yourself again because you don't want your dissertation to, to, to take over you. So I took a, I took a leave of absence. Um, uh, it's hard for me to remember exactly what year it is because I finished a bit before Sarah, but, um, I, my father had had a, um, a stroke and, um, I was going into, so I had, my father had just had a stroke. So it had huge changes in my, um, my family's kind of situation. I'd had to leave um, Victoria and return home to Calgary where my family was and take time with my family. And then I, I came back to Victoria and I was anticipating, um, jumping right back into my, um, my thesis. And I just could not concentrate. I couldn't write. I couldn't, it was, it was just a very difficult time. And um, I had a, a meeting with my supervisor and I remember sitting down, I had a piece of work that I intended to show her. I put the computer computer open and I sat down, we were about to start talking about it. And I just burst into tears and I spent quite a bit of time crying. And, you know, my supervisor was super kind and she, um, she just kind of looked at me and she said, I don't think that working on your thesis right now is the best thing for you to be doing. She said, I think that you might want to take a leave for the semester, just press pause. And I did. And it was definitely the right decision. And when I, when I came back to my thesis, um, uh, I think I might have taken an entire semester. I may have even taken two semesters. Gosh, I'd have to go back and check. But um, when I when I came back to it, I was able to to get back into it. It's not that taking a leave of absence made it um, easy to get back into my work, and it, it, it's not that taking a leave of absence totally fixed my problems, but it gave me the space um, to to readjust and recalibrate and come back um, as someone who is more resilient and able to um, to handle those those little challenges. Because at, at the time, I wasn't particularly resilient. I Sometimes I talk to friends about the idea of um, uh, kind of small inconveniences and how they can um, pile up. I think that when you have a kind of a life event, like for example, my father's stroke and then just dealing with all the stress surrounding that, little things like writing my thesis became too much of an inconvenience. Like I couldn't, I just couldn't do it. Like I just tipped me over the edge. So I needed to recalibrate and kind of clear out that pile of minor inconveniences so that I, I could come back and kind of work on a more even keel. Does that make sense, Sarah? Yeah, I think that's, thanks for sharing all that that happened because I think, you know, for this person, it just goes to show with both of us having taken a leave of absence that it happens for a variety of reasons. It's oh, yeah. for things that are going on with your family or with your friends or with yourself. But regardless, um, at least for the two of us, we both needed to do it. And once we did it, you know, it, I never looked back from yeah. doing it, but I know there 
I had a lot of thinking or there was a lot of thinking and a lot of kind of self-judging as to if I was going to take yeah. a leave of absence because I think you're just taught in grad school. You just keep going until you're done and pausing yeah. is not great. And for this person, so it seems like they're working full time, but I know especially for a lot of international uh, graduate students in Canada, you may not have that as a specific option in your program or you may be limited due to financial constraints or things like that and that's why you know thinking about what the options can look like for whether it is a formal leave of absence or an informal leave of absence absolutely are really important depending on the depending on your situation yeah and I think um that pressing pause that it like for both of us, I think we took a longer period of time. Like I think I took four to six months and I'm not sure. I think you took about the same. Yeah. Yeah. But it could even be two weeks. It could be a month. Like there's a variety of ways that that could look. And just taking the time to to kind of clear out your plate and kind of come back to yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So So I think we've kind of talked um, a lot about the idea of a leave of absence or a pause or a break as kind of one of the main options. Um, And then I think just to kind of wrap up with a couple of other ones could be helpful for this person. So your campus likely has an ombudsperson, which is usually a neutral party on campus that is usually very well versed in dealing with issues like this. Depending on the structure of your department, you may have a graduate advisor for you to go and speak with. You can always go to the counseling services on campus. Um, I think one of the things that I did was just looking at what the graduate student handbook says, whether it's for your department or your faculty or for the faculty of graduate studies to see what your options are as a graduate student. And then, like I said uh, before, just talking to as many people about that, whether that is your friends and family, any graduate student peers, any older graduate students or students who are further along in the program, or if you're still talking to any graduate students who have now moved on, I think talking and getting a wide variety of perspectives to really help you feel less alone and less isolated are are good options for you to start with. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I think too, obviously we have focused a little bit more on the idea of kind of a continuum of options and it not being yes or no, and it could be just like taking a pause. And I want to specify that the reason maybe we focused on kind of that conversation is that in reading this question, it appears that there's like a whole lot of different things going on for this listener. Um, And they, maybe they think that the biggest problem Problem is that um, they're having a, a difficult time getting their supervisor to read their work. But I think that that, that is one part of the problem, but there's the other pieces um, that if they aren't kind of dealt with or thought about, um, then getting the supervisor to read the work doesn't necessarily solve solve what's going on here Um, because they've mentioned that they feel burnt out and not motivated and so even if your supervisor's reading your work if you're feeling burnt out and not motivated you're probably not going to make a lot of progress so it's like um, it's a whole package right and often when we think about the the different issues that are coming up I think that the best place to start is kind of with ourselves like what can we do to put ourselves in a more like resilient position yeah, I think you worded that really nicely. And yeah, and depending on the listener's relationship with their supervisor or advisor, um, I think it can it can also be helpful to talk to them about it. But I also recognize that, you know, the listener may not be in a position to do it. But um, I think that 
yeah, this is why it is, this is why it can be a complex and challenging situation to be in, uh, like this listener, because it can be hard to know what to do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's always an array of options and the option that's best for one person might not be the best, um, for another person. Um, okay. Well, like we could unpack this question for, for quite a while because it's, it's a really big one. But I think maybe the theme that we have kind of come to is that um, connecting with family and friends, coming back to yourself and uh, looking for ways to develop other options um, uh, seem to be kind of a good place for this listener to start. Definitely. Um, yeah, so the next thing that we'll do is talking about some hot tips for dealing with stress in looking at some other uh, research studies on stress. So I have a couple of things to talk about in terms of these hot tips. So I have two this uh, two for this podcast. So the first one is going back to that free writing idea that we talked about earlier. And so studies using free writing with grad students are scarce, but there's one study that looked at uh, 116 undergraduate students that were aged 18 to 40. And this is from Niles et al. 2014. And what that study found was that students who express their emotions through a free writing activity experienced a significant reduction in anxiety after three months compared to the students who did not engage in free writing. And there are a hand, there are other studies out there that show similar findings about free writing. And the other one has to do with sleep. So Allen et al. 2021 looked at almost 3,000 graduate students to see if they could find out um, how much sleep they were getting per night. And you may be wondering, you know, well, I don't even know how much I sleep I get per night. But the average amount of sleep for those 3,000 graduate students was 6.4 hours per night. And students who got more sleep than that average reported higher sleep quality and less stress, cynicism, inefficacy, and exhaustion than students who slept less. So the two hot tips are the free writing and uh, making sure that you are sleeping. And if you're not sure, maybe even starting by tracking how long you're sleeping and the quality of sleep to determine if your stress levels are affecting your physical health. Okay, so uh, that's great. So our hot tips are maybe try writing some things down um, and uh, maybe try to make sure that you are getting good sleep. And I think um, it, those are simple things, but sometimes the simple things, especially the sleep one, um, the simple things are the things that um, serve us throughout our whole lives. Like this isn't just a tip for graduate students. I think it's a tip for, for anyone. If you're, if you're finding yourself to be stressed or if you're finding yourself to be uh, irritable, uh, grumpy, hard to deal with, maybe you're not sleeping enough. And in grad school, it's obviously super challenging because you have a lot on your plate, but is there something that you could take off your plate so that you could get a little bit more sleep? Definitely. So we'll wrap up there and we'd love it if you would submit a question. And that website again is howtogradschool.com slash podcast. And you can also take a look at our free webinar on our website and sign up for our newsletter. And you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at How to Grad School. 
Super. Well, thanks so much for joining us. We look forward to your questions. So our upcoming topics, again, include stress, anxiety, thesis and dissertation writing, procrastination, and how to deal with kind of the various issues that arise in graduate school. So each week, we'll talk about something new. This week, our focus was stress. <laughs>